Welcome back to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast that runs life experiments, questions, assumptions, and explores new ways of thinking. I'm your host and fellow experimenter, Caesar. This episode is a conversation, another conversation. I love conversations. This time with my very, very good friend, my best friend from childhood, Carlos. Carlos is back for a round two, and this episode we talk about a lot of shit. We talk about moving away from home for the first time. We talk about cooking the Carlos way. We talk about relationships, past relationships. We tell stories from our childhood. Woo! It was a good fucking time. This episode was a good time, and it's always a blast. And I love the guy. I always love talking to him. So without further ado, here is the encore to Carlos. Welcome back to the show, Carlos. Come back to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Caesar. <laughs> you, uh, you, what is it? What are you drinking right now? Tell the audience what you're drinking. <laughs> so Wednesday nights, I like to prepare myself a good old fashioned, kind of get me over oh. half of the week. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm drinking an old fashioned. What kind? What kind of whiskey you? Uh, you're drinking right now so you know it's the first time i actually making it like at home so i'm drinking oh uh, so you don't know what you're doing no no i know what i'm doing but uh i'm starting off with like the most like recommended base whiskey you should start off with when you're making old fashions and it's hmm. it's bullet it's it's not whiskey correction it's bourbon which is a little bit different okay yeah all right sounds good well you know i just i find it a little rude you didn't offer me one but you know what? We all get to live our lives <laughs> like we want. Well, my right? apologies. You know, usually <laughs> I only make this drink for, you know, for men. And oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I think wow. he's falling. You might want to. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, man, you know, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's been fun, bro. You know, I'm out here in uh, D.C., your new, uh, your new home. Not DC, it's Virginia. Virginia, right? Different thing that I found out. <clears throat> we're like uh, we're like thirty minutes away from DC. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, last time we talked, you were preparing to leave, and I remember you um, you were scared to leave home. Yeah. Or you were feeling the you're feeling some butterflies. You were getting nervous. Not scared. No, I wasn't nervous. No. Remember, I told you that like I don't feel it or it hasn't hit me yet. Oh, maybe that's exact. Yeah. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. It's okay. Um, how was the transition? How was it moving out here for the first time that you, it's the first time you've moved out of your house. How was that? Um, I think it, it was about time. I think that's probably the best way I could put it. I, yeah. I'm not really sure if, if it was like a good thing or a bad thing. <clears throat> I think I'm very neutral about the whole moving out experience mm-hmm. <clears throat> as boring as that probably makes me sound. But, um, it was it was about time, right? I think it, this is a this was an experience that was coming, and I think um, <clears throat> sorry about that, um, and I think that um, I think I'm handling it pretty well. Um, yeah. Do you have any general advice for people who are moving out of their home for the first time? It's just the cooking. I think uh, personally, I, I see the, the the kind of paradox that I'm living on an everyday basis is that I enjoy good food. Mm-hmm. But I hate cooking. Well, I don't hate it. I enjoy cooking when it's like maybe once a week I make myself a good meal. But I hate having to cook f- like as an everyday thing, like to survive. Oh, you know, it just it takes <laughs> takes up too much. It takes up time. And uh, well, you could buy food, you know. Yeah, but you know, 
I'm trying to be healthy and yeah. I don't want to eat out every day and you save money and obviously the health benefits to that. But, um, you know, the thing with me is I don't want to give, I don't want to, I don't want to eat out every day, but I also don't want to spend the hour or two a day that, um, it's your rice is ready. Bro. No, no, actually, uh, I just need to start a timer for 10 minutes. So, uh, once the rice is done cooking, you let it, you let it sit there for around 10 minutes for it to. Tell me about your rice cooker, man. Tell the world about your rice cooker because you're oh, very excited about it. That that's actually part of the advice I'd probably give to someone moving out is rice cooker. Things a godsend, man. Um, it's more than a rice cooker, though, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's no, an instapot. Yeah, this thing makes everything. Uh, only thing I use it to make is rice, but you could literally make. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. You could literally make stew. You can make. You could boil eggs, potatoes, like in you know, a fraction of the time that it would take you to cook it on a conventional stovetop. Why haven't you made meals in that? You know, there's like whole meals yeah. that you just put in the pot. And yeah, yeah, no, they're called Instapot meals. Come on, Carlos. I know, no, no, you're 100 percent right. But um, I don't know. I think it's just, I just don't give it the time I think it deserves. The time of day that those recipes take up to look, even though it might not be that much time. <sighs> I just, but, but I think uh, maybe I think a lot of people who move out for the first time and who have never lived by themselves, they they've gone through this phase. Yeah, where they're just like, fuck, what do I eat? What do I eat? And they just resort to making the easiest thing possible, whether it's fucking hamburger helper that they buy at the store or they, you know, they're making chicken five times a day with rice, Mm. which is what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah, literally, I think for the past three months that I've been here, my diet has purely consisted of uh, chicken and rice and a side of spinach. And I eat I eat that exact plate. Twice a day, Monday through Friday. Saturday is my cheat day, so I don't. I really don't count it. I eat whatever the fuck I want. Um, and Sunday, <clears throat> I tend to wake up later, so I don't follow that specific dietary plan. Mm. But Monday through Friday, definitely chicken, rice, and spinach twice a day. And then, well, hell yeah, man. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it's it's been working out. I lost a couple pounds. Um, oh fuck yeah! Yeah, so. Good shit. How's its benefits? The other than the Instapot, any other tools or resources that you found on your journey of moving out of the home that you felt uh, eased your transition? Save money. Definitely save money. Do you have any resources for that for people to learn more about how to save money systems for like saving money or um, just to learn more about it? I think that the, the best way to save money, the best way to save money, I think, is really to... At the beginning of a paycheck, right? As soon as that money hits your account, as soon as that direct deposit hits your account, before you spend any of it, before you pay bills, before you buy, you know, you go shopping on, you go on a shop, online shopping spree, you need to account where, what, where every dollar of that paycheck is going to go to. You budget it, okay? Um, so as soon as that paycheck hits, you break out your Excel sheet or your chart or your table and, and you itemize where all that money for that paycheck is going to go to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you designate some to savings. Obviously, you need to designate some for your bills. <clears throat> you designate some for, you know, the the food that you that you're going to eat out with at the end of the for the whole month. You designate some for the food that you're going to use to cook your meals, um, and that way you always kind of know, and you you have a you know what to expect, on on you know what to expect when it comes to expenditures and where to spend your your mm. paycheck. Yeah. And a part of that definitely should be going to 
some sort of savings account where you're putting money aside for either a rainy day or <clears throat> or for when something unexpected comes up or a big move or a big life move comes up like moving out is. I think uh, prior to my move, I saved up around seven seven thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. I, I I didn't particularly save it up for the move, but I had seven I had around seven thousand dollars in my savings account that once once the move came, uh, I was able to use to, you know, buy my furniture, buy all the necessities, right? And, and it definitely takes like a, a very big burden off your shoulders once you save that money and you use it, like in my case, to buy furniture and mm-hmm. and move in because. You don't have to worry about financing. You don't have to worry about taking out debts. You don't have to worry. I mean, taking out loans. You don't have to worry about getting in debt when you go and you get fucked over or scammed by the sleazy furniture people with the interest yeah. rates and shit. <clears throat> so although you're, although it, it could, you know, it's going to cost you up front to save that money per se, even though it's still your money, um, definitely is going to pay off later on when you need to use it. So I would recommend saving, saving at least three to $4,000 before you move especially in my case where i moved literally across a fucking country 27 hour drive dude and i fucking drove it by myself Mm. uh well not i drove it by myself but my girlfriend was with me in the car that's what i mean by that did you drive it straight no no you can't you can't oh you can do a drive like that but no i I broke it up into three days Ah, okay yeah no so uh, i think first night we stopped in dallas second night we stopped in uh, nashville tennessee and then the third night we made it over here to virginia so but yeah, I would say those, those big tips. Definitely get a fucking rice cooker. Learn some basic recipes so you don't have to survive off chicken and rice and spinach for, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time. And save some money before the move, if that's possible. Who do you go to when you want to learn more about money? Like, who is your go-to person? That yeah. uh, Do you have a go-to person or no? I have several, yeah. I think what really started me kind of... Uh, what really got me hooked on this on the this whole concept of personal finance, mm-hmm. which ranges everything from credit cards to real estate to to saving and investing, it was a it's a guy very popular guy a lot of a lot of people know him his name is Dave Ramsey, mm. and um, he has a podcast a very popular podcast I think it's either the top rated like financial literacy podcast available on like Apple iTunes and shit or it's one of the top five for sure top three. Um, and, and it's great because what he does is, so he wrote this book, which, um, which he outlines what he calls baby steps. And I think there's seven baby steps. I don't know all of them in total, but I don't know what each one of them is, but it's a framework that it, it was created to kind of help you become financially independent. Mm. And it all revolves around minimizing your unnecessary expenditures, maximizing paying off, you know, high interest, high interest loans and debts and slowly start investing okay your money um he's kind of what what got me really intrigued into this whole world of personal finance and the reason i i ended up bumping into him is because back when i was in el paso and i had a an internship out in las cruces i had to drive literally every day one and a half hours one way you know to to get to work so on average on any given day i was commuting three hours out of that day to get to and from work um, so, you know, after a couple of weeks of listening to the radio and then playing the same shit over and over, you get tired of it. So, you know, you yeah. need to throw in some variety. And actually you were the one that recommended to me. I think we, we had this conversation a, a while ago. I told you, dude, you know, this drive fucking sucks. And you told me you should listen to a podcast. Um, so I did, I ended up finding, running into this guy, uh, Dave Ramsey and <clears throat> started listening to him and 
I really kind of liked what he was saying. And although I don't like follow his word, like to the, to the scripture, as I say, like I don't follow everything exactly as he says, <clears throat> it was definitely kind of my stepping stone to get into this, this whole personal finance thing. And ever since I've been obsessed with it. So yeah, Dave Ramsey. Wow. That, that, that'd be my answer. But, um, besides him, I also watch, uh, uh, Graham Steven, who's a very popular YouTube in the real estate community. He always goes into detail about how he started kind of his own, his journey to his financial independence and mm-hmm. very interesting when it, especially when it comes to real estate, that's kind of what, what his thing is. But yeah, I would say those two are the main characters that, that played a, uh, a big role in influencing me to kind of save money and become financially independent. We said Dave Ramsey. I'm going to write their names down. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. And, and uh, who's the other guy? Graham, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen, and that's with a P H E N, or Stefan. Graham, I don't know, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Both both are very big figures. They're very big players in the in the uh, investing world. Yeah, isn't that cool? The the podcasting thing. Uh, it's I, that's why I think podcasts are so awesome because a drive like that, it's like. I remember you talking to me about it. You were like, oh, dude, I'm wasting time. But with a podcast, I mean, you, you're you learning as you're driving. You can learn. Right. I mean, you can. there's all sorts of podcasts, podcasts with, like, stories and stuff. And that's, yeah, for me, that's why podcasts have been so addictive. I love learning. And anytime I go outside, I'm just put my headphones on. Or if I'm at the gym, I'm learning. Or I'm yeah. trying to learn. Um, Makes a lot of sense. For... I forgot what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. Well, I, let's actually take a quick break here quick while break, I get my okay. rice out of the cooker before it gets all mushy and shit. You were about to ask me another question. Right? Yeah. That's why to, I stopped it perfectly. Yeah. you. I was about to ask you another question, uh, but that was moving out. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of have more questions on like success and stuff. To me, it seems a little boring. Okay. Let's go into the more exciting. The fun, and we can talk about those later. I'm going to give you three topics. Well, you can choose whichever one you want, all right? Ideally, I'd like to get through all of them. Okay. Uh, number one, all right? Dr- drifting in BMWs. Okay. <laughs> number two, <laughs> first loves and decision making. Uh, number three, organized cooking. Mm. Uh, so you can choose. This is your choose your own adventure, and you're okay. taking the audience with us. All right. So definitely we'll do, you know, I've been catching myself... I catch myself saying like <laughs> the same words. So I'm trying to work on it on this podcast. So I'm, I'm trying not to say definitely. Same. I say the same things too. So we'll see. I how, say we'll see wow a lot. Yeah. I say interesting. I say, uh, you know, I say that one too a lot. Mm. I got called out on, at, on Toastmasters for that one. But uh, Toastmasters, you do Toastmasters? Yeah, I do. I do Toastmasters. Out here? Yeah. I was in El Paso. Um, I'm still in the club, but it's a little hard to make meetings now. What? That's so cool. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, it is, dude. I had a really badass speech written um, for my first speech. Uh, I've always... The, it, Toastmasters has, it has interested me. It's just like it's you, you... It's a club. It's public speaking, dude. That's all it is. And you just you, practice different types of speeches, different types of public addresses, and you give them in front of a... In this case right now, it's virtual, but it's a bunch of your colleagues, and you just give... Your colleagues, like it's just by colleagues you mean people, like people in the club. Yeah, people in the club. And is there a given topic on the speech? Or yeah, yeah. So um, every week uh, there's one person. There's two people that are selected to give a speech, 
and you know what the topic is beforehand so you can prepare it right? yeah um but one of the segments one of my favorite segments for for toastmasters um is called table topics so it's pretty much like a hot seat based scenario question game question type of deal mm-hmm. where there's the table topics master who comes up with very random on the spot questions and he'll go around the room and he'll randomly pick someone in the club and he'll address the question to you and you have uh, you, your job, your objective as being the person who got asked the question is to respond and no matter what, respond within 30 seconds to a minute, a minute or two minutes. Sorry, that's what the time frame is. So, for example, they'll ask you um, just randomly, they'll, they'll call on you and they'll say, Caesar, tell me why President Trump has been the best president to serve in the United <clears throat> States. And you have to go with the topic. You can't. You can. So, so ideally, you're supposed to go with a topic because it it helps you think on your feet and it helps mm-hmm. you prepare. It helps you just to give kind of like on the spot speeches or on the spot responses. You don't have to answer it. You could say, um, you could deflect the question, like throw it back or just not answer it at all and say, thanks for the question. But before I answer that, I want to get into this other thing. <laughs> and then you, you, you stem off on whatever it is you want to talk about. But the whole point here is that you're talking. You're, you, you don't take any time to think. You literally get asked a question and you have to respond. So is there, what, yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. What is the goal of Toastmasters? This sounds really, really cool. Uh, like, do you have to, um, is there a criteria? Is there, is there a success and fail metric? Is there metrics no. for success and failure? Th- there's no metric for failure. The, the whole purpose of this club is to put you in a setting where you're giving presentations or giving speeches in front of other people and you get feedback on how you, on how you did. So they, they'll call you out on words that you use very often. They'll call you, give me a sec. God bless you, sir. They'll, they'll, they'll call you out on uh, words that you use too often. They'll call you in on filler words like, filler words like, uh, so, things like that. Um, they also, they help you become a more eloquent speaker to give. How do they do that? Just by feedback, by positive reinforcement and feedback. So you'll give a, you'll give a speech and then, at the end of every meeting, it's very structured. It's only it's only an hour, right? Because it's it, it, people have busy days. It's only an hour, same format. You have your intro, your speakers, and then you have table topics, and then general feedback to all the people who spoke. And they'll they'll time you, so they, t- they tell you they tell you how how long you spoke for, words that you used to that you used too much, filler words, um, pretty much just finding little things that not that you did wrong, but that you could improve on. It's never, it's never, a, it's never a, a question of you did this bad or you failed. It's more of this is how you did and this is how you can do better. Mm. That sounds, uh, I, I like that. Yeah. Because um, is it, there, it looks like they allow for creativity, like which is what when I think of public speaking at school, mm-hmm. I feel in in my experience in the past, I took it as like there is no creativity. There is only one route here. And if I don't get it right, I get it wrong. Like there's one route here and that route is in the teacher's mind. And I have to hit every checkbox, which made it, made every speech so nerve wracking. Okay. Because I was like, it, it, it allowed for, in my head, no room for um, a little Caesar flair, you know, like a, my own flair. But Toastmasters, I mean, it's not like that, right? I don't, I don't even think school was like that. I just think I made that up in my mind. Yeah, no, it's interesting because also what's so great about Toastmasters is Everyone has their own unique style of speaking, whether yeah. you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see different people at different levels of, you know, uh, public speaking 
acumen that you get to really learn and see firsthand what like a good public speaker looks like or a good on the on the spot speaker looks like it's great so um it, it's really it's really cool to see kind of those different levels and, and you kind of you take you, you kind of take certain properties of the way someone speaks and you try to implement it into, into your own speech since you liked it and you think it's a good thing. So it, it, it's a great, and anyone can benefit. I think everyone can benefit from Toastmasters, no matter how good or how bad you are at public speaking. Uh, it's, it's, and it's, it's relatively low cost. I think it's like $15 for the membership a year or some shit like that. Wow. Yeah. I, I, this really calls me. I you, want you should to try this. it, dude. Yeah, you should definitely. There's so many clubs, so many clubs. I like, I like the idea yeah. of it. It sounds and, and, so and I, cool. And I'm so, and I'm so sure that there's going to be a lot of clubs or a very big club in Austin. You just need to look up. You just need to look it up. Just look up Toastmasters Club near me. It's and, great, dude. It's great. It's like a skill you can get really good at. Yeah, yeah. And <sighs> public public speaking is one of those things that you can apply to anything. Oh yeah. Whether it's yeah interpersonal communication or whether you're actually giving a fucking speech, it's great. Yeah. Wow, That's dude. And, and last question on this. Mm-hmm. How do they give you feedback? Who is, is there somebody taking notes? Is there one specific yeah. person that is designed to take notes? Yeah. And what are the rest of the people in the meeting doing? If if you made it sound like not everyone gets to speak. Yeah. So the, the club is very good at um, every week alternating the roles so that at one point everyone gets to give a speech. And there's obviously different there's different roles mm-hmm. during the meeting. So you have like the, the, the main person that's called the Toastmaster who who pretty much guides the meeting, right? And then you have your, your speaker one, speaker two, you have your timer, you have your grammarian who keeps track of all the words that you used. You have your general evaluator who does like a general evaluation of the, how the whole meeting went. And then for each one of the, for your, each one of those speakers that speaks, speaker one, speaker two, there's, there's one dedicated person to evaluate their speech and then another dedicated person to evaluate the second person's speech and you get that feedback at the end of the meeting once the meeting's done so in they, front of everyone yeah in front of everyone mm. that's the whole point is because that everyone learns from everyone. exactly is, is, is you get to see that even though you might think you're a bad public speaker you're going to get feedback in front of everyone and that just further reinforces this concept of it's okay to like not be good at it yet that's why you're here and that's why you should be learning it's great and, and it's fun too it's fun Dude, it sounds like a lot of fun it is especially during the table topics and i like it because yeah. it makes me a little nervous but yeah. also it does it makes you nervous but it's fun it's fun it feels like the yeah. first like the first time i uh, i thought of going to a jujitsu class and i knew i was gonna go it made me like this nervous because it, it i know it's a skill that is learnable and that you can get good at it if you dedicate the time and you get um and you actually concentrate on what's going on mm. one of the cool things that i found in the last few months is uh, the idea of a performance journal okay. where if it, for example in toastmasters every time you would have a meeting you would already have a journal whether it's digital um, or a physical journal and at the end of your journal you would write down how your session went mm-hmm. and you would keep this uh, you would have a table of contents but one page would de- be dedicated for each session and uh you can there's a format online um I think it's called the mental management school. That's where I got my format. But I mean, you can make up your own. But the whole point of the performance journal is to actually write down like things that you can measure. For example, you could write down today my goal was. So that makes you, gets you into the habit of every session you go into have at least some sort of goal. Mm -hmm. If you're weightlifting, you could put like my goal was to do 
arms or chest, right? Or this time my goal was to say um less. Yeah. And and then it, the the idea of the performance journal is to focus on everything that went right. And therefore you reinforce all the things that are going right. Mm-hmm. So you don't focus on the failures. Uh, after you set your goal, what your goal was, you write today I did. So it doesn't matter if you accomplished your goal or not. So it just, has a very positive, uh, yeah, positive reinforcement. Yeah, and that's, a, uh, that's the whole point of the journal. But it also allows you to no, it also allows you to keep uh, track of what you actually did instead yeah. of in your mind thinking, oh well, I went to three Toastmasters in the last month, but and I think I've practiced saying um less. But with by writing it down, now you know what sessions you actually practice saying um less yeah. instead of just it's up in the air and I'm, yeah. I think I'm getting better. Yeah, um, it, it it sounds like you're you're trying to like you're quantifying some of the results that you that you've some of the things that you've accomplished recently to reinforce this idea that you are getting better or you are seeing progression. Well, I want to use the performance journal in in skills that I'd like to get really good at, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, public speaking and just speaking and not public speaking necessarily it's personal conversations building relationships i love that type of shit yeah and i'd love to become a master at that which is one of the reasons i like the podcast it allows me to talk to people it allows me to learn how to ask better questions when to ask them and feel people out of my losing them or yeah and uh jujitsu is that way too mm-hmm. like you know it's it's not about always muscling through one of the coolest things i'm going on a tangent here but i just want to mention this one of the coolest things about jujitsu is that there was this guy small guy and he would so confident he was so good he was so technical small guy and he'd be like all right caesar come on and you'd grab him and it was like you were grabbing a koala bear he'd grab you so softly like like there was no issue in the world and i'd be already kind of trying to muscle through and he'd let me go um to certain positions and he knew he was like safe he'd be like okay (laughs) and i would try to get him in like a choke and he'd be like he would just lay there very loose very softly he was just so confident in his technique and he knew when he was safe that when he was in danger all of a sudden there was like a little burst of energy a little burst of energy and he would just he would remove the danger as in like he would move either his head in a position where you couldn't choke him out or he would get out of like uh if i was trying to get on top of him he would quickly push out to where i'm still having trouble to get on top of him i'm not fully on 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 mount but i'm like i got one knee on his belly or something but calm just calm and but the thing is is that as he's calm you're moving a lot, like me, a novice. I'm moving a lot, and I'm exposing a lot of shit. I've got my leg exposed, and and he'll he'll just grab submissions, but he won't even really submit you. It was like so de- not demeaning, but <laughs> it's like it's like an expert playing with a child. He would grab like my heel, and he'd go for a heel hook, and just give me a little tug. Like he'd look at me and just <laughs> like kind of like telling you that. I could like I could have had you there. Yeah, like but I, you know we're, we're just playing it easy. And the way playing he it easy yeah, now. the way he would do it is he wouldn't he would never force it. Like you you wouldn't. It was awesome and and I forgot why I brought this up, but I think my point was is that that made me see like technique is everything in any skill. Like and it was just awesome and and I know I'm bigger than him and and I can muscle through stuff, but if I learned the technique that is where the real value is and that made me see not only in in jujitsu but i think in everything i digress all right sorry (laughs) i was interesting no but uh i I think you bring a valid uh, a good point right which i think um 
the the bigger the bigger picture here is a lot of times is is knowledge that is the most powerful tool right is mm-hmm. knowing how things work or knowing how um how a certain process works that ultimately gives you the edge over whether it's brute force or or yeah. luck or or yeah. speed or strength gives yeah. you that edge and just speaking to people do you remember when i when I was so caught up in my mind, I couldn't speak to it like in public. It was weird, right? I could speak to friends, but I couldn't speak publicly. And it was just like getting looser. Well, you would just get super red. That's like the one thing I remember from our childhood is when you would get nervous or mm-hmm. when you would get clammed up and, you know, you know your uh, knees weak and arms were heavy. Um, <laughs> you would just fucking turn red, red as fuck. And then I would let that get in my head. Yeah. Like, it's, it, was, it's, it was like my... It was kind of like this self-destructive perpetuating cycle where the more red you got, the more people would notice and then you would notice that they were no- that they were noticing you getting red yeah. and then you would get even more nervous. Dude, it yes. was just a cycle. And it would like it made um it made it so difficult to give any sort of con- um what is it presentation. <laughs> but in the end I think it was possibly one of my biggest gifts uh because I had to figure out how to Remain cool as you are getting red. And then after that, it was, once I got that down, I think it was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. But no, yeah, whole point being, definitely try to give Toastmasters a shot. It's a lot of fun. And you you do learn a lot just by being in the classes. Even if even if you don't have a role for that specific, for any specific meeting, you're still learning because you're, you're exposed to different people and their different styles and the different way they speak and really yeah. cool, really interesting stuff. All right, so we didn't even choose a topic. We yeah, topic. that's right. Uh, remind me of the topics again. I'm sorry. Uh, drifting and BMWs, first loves and decision making, organized cooking. Okay, let's, let's start off. Start off easy. Let's go with organized cooking. Organized cooking. Yeah. So what, right. what do you want to know about that? T- tell them why. Tell them why that's even a topic. <laughs> okay. In, in this list. Well, I love to cook but when i came here we we cooked one night pad thai and uh i've noticed before that i have this style of cooking that is um i think messy would be a bit of an understatement i'm all over the place i call it creative expression in my cooking (laughs) where i just i'm flowing baby and and i'm just going like what do i need next what do i need next okay i need the sauce boom bowl make my sauce whisk and then dump the bowl. But after I use my bowl, it doesn't matter where it lands after that, you know? And then I'm using like three pans. And so by the end of my entire cooking session, I you look at the kitchen and, and a bomb exploded. There's shit everywhere. It's a fucking mess. It's, uh, yeah. And then there's the cleaning. And, and you got to clean, which I don't mind because I'm always playing music and I, I'm dancing to my music and shit. But then you have this style of cooking, which... Um, you you cook very slow, Carlos. I do, gonna, I do. You, and, you and cook look, glacial. I I, I I attribute that to my still inexperience in the culinary arts. I, mm. I I don't spend that much time in the kitchen, but the time that I do, I I try to be as clean as possible and as precise as as possible as well. So, yes, I would compare your style of cooking to entering a uh, watchmaker's shop. Yes, everything is in order. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing at a time, but it gets done right. <laughs> That's the only way to ensure it gets. I think what was it? The first time that we met the pad thai when you were when you were the head chef and I was your sous chef. Um, 
much, which which is not the way it should have been in the first place. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, I think at one point you had what you had some you had something in the oven, you had like three pans all cooking at the same time mm-hmm. while you were still preparing and cutting up some shit on the cutting board. I was like, Jesus fuck, dude! Like, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I know you're you're a good cook, and you know you you spend your time in the kitchen. You've paid your dues, but like, Jesus fuck, there's no way that you could. You know that, that you could keep track of all that shit and make sure that something doesn't go wrong or goes missing. Uh, I think you've been cooking noodles at one point too. I think with a, you you had all four fucking burners working, <laughs> plus the oven. Um, and I mean that that's like that's fine, right? It's a style, like you said, but that's not the way I do things, right? I to me, it's all it's all in the preparation, right? Making yeah. sure you have everything set so that when once it comes time to use that specific item that you were that you need to work on, it's ready to go. Yeah. Right. So, for example, because we 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 did we we cooked chicken pad thai two nights right in yeah. a row. The first night and then uh, the second night, right when that was when I comp- did everything from the beginning yeah. to end. Um, I think in total, right? <laughs> in total, I think I used Watch I used a, a cutting board. Yeah. One cutting board, right? Just one. I used one knife, one spoon, one bowl, and two pans. That's it. That's all yeah. I used, right? Um, and, and to me, it's all about, okay, even though I might be a little slower, I know I'm going to do it right. And I don't have to rush and worry about shit, is something burning. How long has this been sitting here? It's all just kind of getting prepared to make sure that once the process actually begins of making the meal, it's just, you know, it's a straight shot, straight shot. I don't have yes. to worry. And let me tell you something. I do think that that's the piece that I was missing in cooking. The preparation, the I wanted to just jump in where it's like, hey, buddy, slow the fuck down. Let's prepare and then let's cook. And you're right. And and, and I like your because because the reason I was so messy was because I wouldn't prepare. And in the middle of everything already on fire, I had to fucking make shit happen. Yeah. So that meant that I had to do things a little faster, um, messier. Like it didn't matter if things were spilling. Uh, and, and then, and then I, what did I cook? I cooked something recently that you made, was it today? No, it was yesterday. No, no, the, well you cooked, you cooked the, the spinach today, but w- was it today where I just, yeah, it was today, yeah, right? Was today. That I, that I decided to cook the Carlos way where I, where I was like, okay, I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to prep everything. And it was, you know what? It was better. Everything went smoother. Like it, I wasn't a mess at the end. I, I felt more professional. And when I was working in the kitchen, you know, these past few weeks that I've been working with these chefs, that's one of the, the feedback they gave me. They're like, Caesar, you're messy. You're messy. And I was like, fuck, how do I not be messy? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they want speed in the kitchen. Right. So I think, uh, but I think this is a, a, a right step in the right direction. Yeah. So the way you do it, the way I did it was just taking one thing at a time first, the easy stuff. Like if I got any vegetables to cut, I'm going to cut them you up pre-cut first. pre-cut them, absolutely. Put them in a little bowl, right? Which is, sounds obvious, but to me, I was just doing that in the middle of everything, yeah. putting it in my cutting board and then mm-hmm. and then dropping it into a pan. I wasn't I wasn't putting them into separate bowls, so they're ready to go. Um, and, and yeah, the organized cooking, I think, will elevate my cooking, and I think it's thanks to you. However... However, Carlos, there is a thing when you got to cook a lot of things at the same time to get the dish hot, to get the dish out hot and ready all at once. 
And I will say, I think that maybe you should give it a try. Wait, you do it, what? I, I, like, I'm not like following, I'm not following. When, when you said I had all four burners on. Yeah. There's a, I, to me, there's a thing to that. If I, I mean, I want to cook my pastas the same time as I'm cooking my, uh, like, uh, what was it? What was I frying up in the, in the pan? Like my, my chicken and shit so that everything's ready at the same time. But why does that matter? Because of the heat. Well, here's the thing. For example, with the noodles, right? Yeah. Uh, in my case, I cooked the noodles before before I even began cooking. That's the first thing I made. I it cooked, matters because of temperature, Carlos. I, no, well, here's the thing. I cooked the noodles, set them aside, literally maybe for the 10, 15 minutes I was doing cooking everything else. Okay? Yeah. The thing is, at the end, at the very end of the of the cooking sequence, you mix everything together on a, on a, on a flame, you, on a pan. So that heat's still going to get... You know, you're still going to add heat to the noodles. Nothing comes out cold. No, it's not the same. It like, is I, the same. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think the I, way it's, you're it's, thinking it's about it, it. No, the way you're thinking about it is you want to cook for somebody. You, you're cooking for your grandma. So the feedback doesn't matter. The way I'm thinking about it is I'm cooking for the president of the United States. Every no, time. that's no, that's no. the way I'm thinking about it. I'm cooking for <laughs> Look, the president of the United States no, every no, time. No. So if I want my my noodles to be as hot as uh as my chicken if i don't want hot chicken on cold noodles then everything has to be done to perfection and that requires timing carlos no timing i disagree a- i look i think i think it depends on what you're cooking when when it comes to noodles who Agreed. gives a shit if the noodles get cold and then you reheat them when you're mixing it all together who gives a shit if it's a meat <laughs> if it's a meat that you know i mean I, I don't i don't cook much but if there's a meat that needs to be you know served with it concurrently with another item then absolutely but in the case with noodles, it doesn't fucking matter. You're still putting that shit at the end of the day in a pan with heat and making sure it's all nice and hot and steamy. You're not you're, you're not losing anything out on the temperature. I agree, but you're right. You're right. Um, but uh, that's also why you're really fucking slow. I am. Yeah, I am. That's slow. also why you you go glacial. I do. I do go glacial. But um, when I do cook, it comes out really good. Really good. And it's it's clean, it's neat. There's there's this artistic, I think, artistic <laughs> art to cooking, and I think by being clean, it looks better and it makes you feel better, and you don't have to worry about agreed. the cleanup. Agreed, completely you don't have agreed. To worry about the cleanup. And I've I've turned, which I fucking despise. I despise <laughs> the cleanup. That shit fucking sucks. No, you got to learn how to dance more, bro. You got to dance in the kitchen and and just enjoy the music because because it's all just part of the process. You know, you can't have the fun of cooking without the, the fun of cleaning up. And it's just a, how do you how do you make cleaning up fun? But so thank you for that, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, I I will up my game in the organization, and I hope to, for my kitchen to be like a watchmaker's kitchen, a faster, faster one. That's good. I'm I'm glad you, you could learn something, Caesar. My 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 great sous chef. <laughs> you get cocky, bro. <laughs> um, let's uh let's move on to uh drifting and bmws huh i was gonna say uh, uh, let's let's make that one the next topic okay well uh do you go ahead how do i present this this is just kind of a fun story to tell we've never told for me it's gonna be fun for me i don't know if it's gonna be fun for the audience but i just i'd like to go back to that moment Back in time, trip down memory lane, right? Let's go back in time. How long ago was this? Uh, we're talking what was six it six years ago? Shit, you remember six years ago? Yeah, 
senior year of high school. It was was it really senior year? Yeah. I was uh, that much of a dumbass senior year of high school still? Yes. God damn. Senior year of high school, your father gets it. I'm going to yeah. set up the scene here and then you okay. can take it. I'll, I'll, get, I'll hand you the story at one point. For senior year of high school, your father uh, gets a BMW, a brand new BMW. And, um, <laughs> and that year, uh, a few of our friends, uh, they drifted as well. Yes. I don't know what, you see, I don't, th- this, these are questions I have, but we'll, I'll, we'll get there. Uh, Cause I want to know what your inspiration for this uh, sporadic act was. And, um, a few fr- of our friends were, dr- had drifted their cars. They messed up their cars drifting. Right? They didn't know how to drift. Um, our first ride on the BMW, your parents give you the BMW. They fully trust you. And you, um, you're driving around our neighborhood and, uh, all of a sudden you tell me, Hey Caesar, I've been, <laughs> I've been looking up videos on how to drift. I think I got it down <laughs> and immediately I roll my eyes and I'm like this guy <laughs> and I'm like, bro, no, you don't. And also I'm a little, not afraid, but I'm like, ah, oh, this guy, I hope he doesn't try to pull anything. Well, I'm sure you were feeling the bitch butterflies. No doubt. <laughs> I was, uh, I might've been a little scared and, uh, we were at a stop sign and all of a sudden you, you did like a semi little drift. Uh, you did like a little small drift. It was weird. It's and and then you laughed, and I was like, "Bro, stop!" <laughs> and uh, I'm just gonna tell the whole story here. <laughs> we were going down a hill, uh, coming around a sharp corner, and all of a sudden, you take a wide. It's like you begin to take a wide turn, and immediately I know what you're doing. You are setting up for a drift. And I'm like, there's no fucking way this guy's about to, to drift. And you drift. You you drift. So we begin to drift towards a rock wall. Um, and you've got it pretty down. I mean, I was impressed up to the point that, that I was impressed that we weren't rolling. Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about drifting is... The- <laughs> don't don't come at me like you. Look, look. Like you're an expert after, on this. After my many years of... Of of, of, the, of the drifts, right? Of the drifting, uh, not just that's probably the only time I ever drifted in my life. But let me tell you. So to, so to preface the, the conversation, wait, so, I haven't finished the story. They don't know the end of the story. Oh, okay. Go ahead and finish it. Oh, we we continue drifting, and and it's a pretty smooth drift until you're supposed to. I don't know what you're supposed to like. Be able to whip the car back so that you can start going forward. I think you overdrifted and you began to lose control. And you couldn't accelerate forward and we're heading sideways towards a rock wall and we full on hit. I don't know how fast we hit it. We hit a a curve, which I thought destroyed the bumper. I was like, this guy has no front bumper. This guy has no left side anymore. And we magically stop about three feet away from the rock wall. I saw the picture, by the way, with the tire marks and kind of (laughs) showing how close we were to the wall. It was like two. It was more like two feet, dude. Yeah, dude, yeah. you freaked the fuck out. I mean, I was more in shock because I was like, what the fuck just happened? And I was glad I was alive. And you freaked the fuck out. We got out and I expected to see your car destroyed. Nothing happened to the car. God was on your side that day. No, no, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say it was due to God's intervention that the car was saved. I want to thank a good old classic German engineering for that. <laughs> that the car was destroyed. <laughs> The only, the only thing that's that the only plausible explanation. Caesar. <laughs> the German engineer, good old German chassis <laughs> engineering. The uh, only thing wrong with the car was that there was a small yeah. 
it was the tiniest scratch on the rim and that's the story um and 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 we never really told that story to anybody yeah no it was uh, a well obviously we kept it secret obviously for a oh, variety yeah. of reasons right yeah um but uh what was your inspiration why why did you well, do it the inspiration was very simple at least it was very simple and you know 17 18 year old carl is his head right was th- this specific corner this downhill corner was notorious for having disabled our friends vehicles <laughs> in the past. and you just dis- so look I, th- I believe if i remember correctly our friend alexis segovia had attempted the drift yes i think it fucked his car up i also believe if i'm not mistaken i think george george correa might have tried that drift as well Really? I think yeah. yeah, maybe it wasn't George, but it was multiple. It was multiple of our friends who had tried drifting on this specific corner, um, and it wasn't a necessarily hard corner to drift when you look at it from like a bird's eye view. But what made it difficult was the <laughs> fact that it was it was going downhill, right? The, the the corner was going downhill. Yeah. So that adds exponentially a level of difficulty that a senior year high school student is not gonna fully know how to how who's to, never drifted who's never life. drifted in his life he's not gonna know how to how to how to deal with that um so that's where the inspiration came from is i said you know what i, I think i can do it you know they couldn't do it they better. couldn't do it but look i'm in the fucking brand new beamer all right i'll be no, able, I'll, I'll be able to fucking do it i'll be able to fucking do it wow um Jeez. yeah dude that, that's where it came from and i mean you're absolutely right the the drift itself like the drift itself was 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 okay the, where I fucked up, right, is when when you turn, you know, when when you turn in, when you turn the steering wheel to start the drift, right away, you need a counter steer, right, yeah. to to straighten the car back out. Yeah. But my mistake was that I over counter steered, right. So oh, as soon as the car is as soon as the car is drifting, right, I counter steer, right. So in this case, I was drifting. It was a right turn. So I pull up to the turn, going pretty fast, whip the steering wheel right, floor the gas, and the car starts drifting. And then obviously, since I'm, it's a right corner, I, I start turning the steering wheel to the left to align it, right? To center it, and then we can keep going forward. I oversteered. So the car kind of whips back, right? I had turned the wheel to the left so much, basically to where you can't turn anymore, <laughs> that the car just, it kind of like just fucking snaps. It just fucking snaps to the left, right? And that's when I fucking, since the car was still drifting and then adding that effect of the, the, the wheel snap, uh, the steering wheel snap, the whole side of the car just fucking smashes into the curb just fucking smashes into the curb it was so loud right? it was loud it was fucking loud and you have to remember it was nighttime too it was Dude. it was during a school night and it was nighttime and a, a oh, couple Jesus. things were going on in my head i think when it went when when the impact happened Tell right me. when uh when when t0 when t0 <laughs> happened uh t minus zero uh, first of all i was i was scared Thing. Hell First thing, yeah, I was you know, scared for I you. I was bro. scared because it was my dad's car and it was brand new, and because it was a Beamer, and if it was broken, it was going to be expensive to fix. Yeah. Second, I felt embarrassed because I fucked up in front of you while I was trying to be a badass. <laughs> oh, you were embarrassed? Of course, dude. Me? I mean, dude, I was fucking, you know, I was trying to be this badass drifting in the fucking BMW, and I fucked it up. Probably the worst that I could have <laughs> fucked it up. Almost, almost wrecked the car, and. I had adrenaline running through my veins. Oh, you know? hell yeah. That's probably the, out of the three emotions, that's the one that felt good. But only for a little bit until the worry and the embarrassment set in. But yeah, right after impact, the first thing that comes into my mind is, shit, this car's fucked. Same. This car is fucked. You know, in, yeah. I, I had thought from the force and the sound of the impact. Same. 
I could have sworn that the left side tires, both the front and the back, were going to be bent in, like like under the the vehicle yeah, from the impact. That's what I thought. Too. So I saw, I was thinking, I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I don't know if you remember this, but literally, as soon right after impact, first thing I do is not get out and check if the car's okay. I take off. Yeah, <laughs> we do, I no, drive I, off I the fu- I drive off the fucking curb in the sidewalk, and I we we drive up like we drive a couple couple hundred feet up, and then I part I, I pull over to the side once kind of I'm 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 away from the the side of the incident, and we get out and I look at the car and to my surprise there's no apparent visible damage, literally the car looks fucking fine. I think the only thing that I noticed was there was a pretty deep dent in like the fucking front rim. Yeah. And one of the reflectors that goes on the on the side body panel in the front of the of the car was was knocked off. Huh. That I, I was easily popped back in. And yeah, I, I I was like, holy shit, this is great! Like no one's ever gonna fucking find out. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this yeah. is great. No one's gonna find out. But lo and behold, right? Uh, let's fast forward three four years after the after the fucking crash or right the uh-huh. the drift failure, if you will. I'm driving my dad's car again, not drifting, right? I'm, I'm much older now, much more responsible, responsible young adult, driving it normally. And I noticed that when you hold the steering wheel straight, the car doesn't go straight. <laughs> the car is slightly fucking drives to the left. So in order to make the car go straight, you literally had to kind of drive with the steering wheel like a quarter turn to the right, which is very fucking apparent. I have no clue that how my dad didn't notice it for all those years. Uh, until one day, I think my, my dad finally, he notices it. And four years later? Yeah, it's like three, it's three four years later. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. Long, long time. Uh, three, four years later, my dad notices it. And he goes to take it. He thought it was the, the tire rotation. You know how you have to rotate yeah. your tires yeah. every couple of years? <laughs> he takes it into the fucking shop, right? <laughs> and these fucking auto mechanic people tell my dad, like, like, hey, your suspension is fucked. <laughs> oh your suspension is so fucked on the front wheel. It was actually really bad to the point where uh, the tire, the, the whole wheel, not just the tire, the whole wheel could have at any point just like either bent in and snapped off or just fucking fallen off completely. Jesus Christ. Suspension was that fucked, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it came out to like a, like a $2,000 fix to fix that front shock absorber and get the wheel straightened out. And obviously, you know, I've confessed to my dad. You confessed? No, yeah. you didn't know. But you yeah. never told me this. Yeah, no. What did he say? I well, he he knows. Okay, I didn't fully confess. Like, oh yeah, dad, I crashed your fucking car four years ago. Four years ago, but um, he he knows that something stupid must have happened. The initial story I told him was that I was driving and I accidentally parked. I parked my car next to your house and I accidentally hit the curb. I remember. Like scraped it. I remember. And then when, when he saw that fucking meteor impact of a crater <laughs> on the front rim, he you know. There's no fucking way that shit happens from a little scrape. Even you know, especially with fucking BMW tires, wheels who are that are made of like actual fucking metal and not like some shitty aluminum. Like that thing was fucking deep. So there's no way that a little you know, a little curb scrape, little curb check was gonna cause that. Um <laughs> So he knew something was up and you know, years down the road I said, Yeah, I accidentally crashed it. Didn't tell him, haven't told him the story of how it happened. But yeah, he definitely knows something. Wow, dude, I feel bad. Was going we should on. have, I mean, we should have told them. I was. Uh, I had told my mom. I told my mom immediately. Yeah, I think that night I was like, "Mom," but I told her the, the I told her the the lie story. I was like, "Mom." So you didn't tell your mom. Yeah. Well, I told her, "Mom, look, I I 
was I parked next to Caesar's house no, and, I, and I scraped I scraped the rim and I go shower and I mean it's there's no fucking way that shit was from a scrape but yeah that's, uh, that's the story of the fucking Tokyo Drift the what lessons if any did you take from that did that affect the way you uh, did that affect your life like decisions no. you made no no I come on dude Carlos, I don't think it's that take... I don't think it's that serious of a fucking lesson I mean what just don't what? Drift in, don't drift in cars I don't know that's probably the biggest lesson you'll take from that is just don't be stupid behind the wheel and I've never been stupid I wouldn't say I've never been stupid because of that experience it's just something that I just haven't done again just because well, it's just not worth it but it's not like uh yeah it's not like because of that experience I'm super careful now you know what does that make sense it does make sense it's just it was just kind of one of those high school things that you know you were young and you did something <laughs> you did something stupid <laughs> yeah that's how i would describe it gotcha gotcha yeah man um the bmw we should have told your dad earlier <clears throat> moving on to um uh, uh first loves and decisions to make um i'd like to you for you to pose the question the same way you posed it before, and I like for both of us to explore this question together. Okay. Because um, I forgot how you were posing the question last time we were doing a podcast earlier this week. Uh, we were doing like version one of this podcast, and now we're doing version two. Do you remember the question now? Um, the one that I asked you, or yeah. Do you want to explore that question? Yeah. No. Absolutely. It, it had revolved. It had a it had revolved around the conversation we were having. How, I got you. Let's let's talk about how how do you uh, how do you think about it's it's about decision making. Right. This question is about decision making, and it uh, how do you think about making decisions that once made, possibly there is no going back. How do you deal with them? How do you go about deciding whether to move forward or to stay where you are? I'll give you an example to be more clear. Um, the way you posed it was in a relationship, you said you got a good thing going on with someone, right? And But at the same time, you still have a feeling that you want to go out and explore more. How do you decide... Um, you you want to go date other people or you want to go see other people how do you decide to go date other people when when this thing that you got going might be the best thing you you've you've got you'll ever find right right versus yeah. uh, how do you decide whether you stay or whether you go right. you know what i mean when what you've got is really really good but at the same time you've got this this calling this desire right this yeah desire. i remember now yeah that was a question i asked you I, i'm wondering if you've had any thoughts how do, since that how do, conversation how do you think about it well, shit, dude. I asked you first. <laughs> um, let's see. How do I, I? I think it's a. I think it's a very difficult question to answer. I don't think there's a simple answer to it. No, there's not. But but how would you? How would you go about it? How do you know? How do you know? I think I, I I think I lean more towards towards the side of 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 you don't know of you don't know if it's if it's a if you're making the right choice or not regarding this particular case, right? Oh yeah, no, you won't know uh, um, whether you're making the right choice. The question is, how do you make the decision? 
How do you go about deciding? I think eventually, especially specifically for this case, I'm talking specifically for this case. I think that desire to want to go pursue other people really does become so strong and so obnoxious that you finally give in and you finally comply to it. Mm-hmm. I think that this isn't something that this isn't one of those things that you do waking up randomly one day and you decide, oh, fuck, I don't want to be with this person anymore. I want to go fuck around. I don't think this happens overnight. I think this is a compounding effect that starts to build up over time. Yeah. Little by little, little by little, day by day, night by night. This, this kind of feeling starts building up where mm-hmm. where you want to go pursue other people. And I think finally gets to the point, the tipping point where you say, okay, fuck it, I'm done. And you decide to, to, to make that decision, right? And I think to prove kind of this idea of what, this concept of what I'm speaking is, think about it. Think about, think about some of the people that, that, you've, that you've met in your past or friends that you've had who have been in, the, who have been in this situation before mm-hmm. where they were with their girl and they still wanted to fuck around. They never just mentioned once like, oh, yeah, I'm going to break up with my girl to go pursue other people. They yeah. would mention it in passing and in, in conversation <clears throat> passing like, like, fuck, dude, I don't know. Like, I feel like I still want to fuck around. And they'll probably just say it once during a conversation. And then the next time you guys hang out, some way, somehow this conversation comes up again. And they again mention, oh, you know what? I don't know, dude. Like, I still kind of want to go out and party and fuck around. And okay. So little by little, you know, this thought is still in their head and it just keeps building up, keeps building up becomes very obnoxious it becomes a very loud a very loud thought that i think eventually you give into and you decide to exercise that decision and i think that's how you make i think that's how that happens agreed yeah i think that's exactly how it happens and and the way uh the way you i think about it or the way i thought about it is because you posed the question really well the other day where you were like, um, for people in this situation, right, where they're in a relationship, they feel like, ah, I don't know, maybe I should stay. The way I thought about it is I think staying in a relationship out of fear for what might happen is the wrong, is starting off the wrong way. Yeah. And I, I think it's laying down the foundation for an unhealthy relationship that could I mean, you could possibly, you can work it out. Mm-hmm. I think you could make anything work out, but you could possibly, it uh, leads to unhappiness. Yeah. And I think I saw some people in my life, some uh, like uh, uh, grownups who I uh, assumed maybe they never, maybe they were the ones who, who were too afraid to leave, to yeah. let something pretty good go mm-hmm. for the opportunity of, possibly understanding of what they truly want because uh i I, and the reason i talk about this because you were you asked me a very pointed question uh the last time talking about my first relationship right asking me how did you make that decision or no i was i was pretty much so because you were you were talking about how Mm -hmm. uh you pretty much uh, you made this decision and you pretty much just had to like that you went through with it yeah. That you kind of said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And you went through with it. And that was that. Right. But I think that, that, that I think there was a big part of the story missing because at one point you wanted to go back to that. You wanted to go back to, on the relation. You wanted to go back to the relationship. Yeah. So it really wasn't any more kind of like, oh, I made this decision to go fuck mm-hmm. other girls or try getting with other girls. And that was that. And I'm, I've learned and I've grown. No, it was more like I initially made a decision to go fuck around and leave my current relationship at one point, I, I regretted it and wanted to go back. Yeah. 
but that wasn't a possibility anymore. So then I had to move forward. Yeah. And I think that's very different from kind of the initial picture you had painted where it was like, um, oh, yeah, I wanted to go kind of explore my other options. And that's kind of where it ended. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you are going off into the, an unknown situation. You definitely mm-hmm. are going. You no, you don't know if you're going to want to go back. Right. You don't know if you're going to oh, be I able agree. to go back. And then you get there and then everything happens and it ends up how how it ends up in this situation where mm-hmm. like you know you can't come back right but right. it's like the question what i thought was really cool that we talked about the other day was regret how do you deal with regret is it because for a lot of people for me at least for a while it was like a um, something negative something that affects you negatively where are you going to regret it for the rest of your life but i think it was it's really cool once you begin to see regret as a uh, just kind of a, a tool to a tool for understanding of what you want what you really want in life and uh i think i think that's what life is is more is is about no making these decisions that'll lead you somewhere somewhere whether it's a quote-unquote mistake or you you get it right right but in the end you uh you walk through the door and you figured out what you what you really wanted yeah. And I think ultimately someone who's experienced regret a great amount or a great deal of, I think uh, eventually they think of it like that, but I think, or they deal with regret like that. Mm. But I think for the layman, for the, for the person who maybe is experiencing this for the first time, um, it's important to at least try to think the way that, how you explained it, right. To think of it as a, a learning tool, but it's hard. Oh yeah. And, and I think for, for someone who's experiencing it for the first time or who's not that, very in touch with their philosophical self, which I think is a lot of people. I think it's very difficult to accomplish that. And I think, um, I think quite frankly, one of the, one of the only ways I think for someone who's barely beginning or who's barely experienced regret for the first time is really to keep yourself busy on a day to day basis, find things that keep your mind off things or keep your mind off that specific thing and do things Kind of get into a schedule so that you're not thinking about that decision you made or that person that you're no longer with so that you get through your day. And I think that's how it starts off. It really is a a matter of let's get through this day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that turns into, okay, let's get through this week. Okay, you know what? Let's get, let's go, let's get through the month. And I think you start kind of building kind of by through this repetition of keeping yourself busy and not letting your mind wander to that decision or that regret slowly you start to forget about it that feeling of regret starts to become less and then eventually once you start self-reflecting and i think self-reflection is a very big point part of this is is when you can start kind of developing this philosophical sense of okay well what really is regret what can i get out of it right but i think that takes practice i think that Mm. takes i think that really takes someone like you who's in touch with their maybe not not so much to where they're that that much in touch with their kind of philosophical self and sense but who's at least willing to try and see the side of the, the other side of the coin mm. and not just think that, oh, regret sucks, regret, regret is shitty, or this feeling is a very negative emotion, right? I think for the layman, starting off just kind of by keeping busy every day, finding something that keeps your mind off it, and doing that for a couple days, couple weeks, couple months, you'll eventually get rid of this, this negative feeling. It'll, it'll, it'll die off. You know, you, you'll, start, you'll start to forget about it, but then also the times that you do think about it, you'll feel it'll feel less powerful that emotion will feel less less bad hmm. right 
Yes, completely. Uh, I think that's a great point, um, especially about in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, get busy. Mm-hmm. Get busy because one of the, th- I think, if I look back upon the times that I've been the most miserable, right? And I've lived a young life. I've, we've just talked about almost destroying your dad's BMW. I've lived a very <laughs> privileged life, okay? Yeah. From that little story, you can, I mean, I'm drifting in BMWs. You know, <laughs> I, it's not like I've got much to be miserable miserable about. Yeah. However, I am human. We are humans. And the human condition, I think, no matter where you are, it's the emotions are the same. Right. So when I've when I've gone down to my uh, I guess my most miserable emotions, it has been on times when I've had too much time to think when I've had too much time to do nothing. I've just sat around for too long in my room. I've been in my apartment, whether I've been at school, but after school, I just go home. Mm. It's too much time to think. And it gets to the point where it, it does. It's like you need to do something because you, you can go. You, you start to go a little I started to go a little crazy yeah, and I, ch- I channeled that into uh, exercise at least. Um, but really what this opens up is an opportunity. And I think if you can see it that way as an opportunity to pick up any skill that interests you and the key word is interests you because if it interests you, when you are feeling that low, you really have the opportunity to be captured by whatever that skill is. Um, and so I, I talk about exercise, you know, the cool thing about exercise is that it can be, uh, exercise can be done in a million ways, jujitsu, uh, boxing, rowing, swimming, diving, walking, you know, uh, gymnastics rings. It's like the possibilities are endless. It's not just the gym and it's finding what you like. Um, but I think that's step one once. And, and wh- I, w- I wanted to get to this point. Once you get to the point where you are ready to self-reflect, I think one question that you might find helpful, that I find found helpful, um, was, okay, if you, if I can't have this person, does my life plan in the grant, if I zoom out, does my life change? And, and what I mean by that is like, am I going to let the world decide, um, how happy I'm going to be. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Is it because this person doesn't want me, which is something I don't have any control over. Am I going to allow that to decide my happiness? And, and, and it requires a a bit of zooming out. Like, am I going to give up control to the world or am I going to take control? And no matter what, what spontaneous event happens in my life? Am I going to be flexible enough to write it into the greatest story that I can? The greatest story being my life. And I think if you can look at it that way from a very high level to where you ask yourself, um, does anything change? Uh, for me, at least, it was like, no, nothing changes. And that might be the, my ambitious self, right? My, my, my self that says, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to live a great life. <laughs> I'm going to live a great life no matter what anybody says. And I understand that not everybody's like that. But um, I just think that it's worth thinking about that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think, and it's one of, I think, uh, humanity's greatest faults is we're always overthinking. No matter how insignificantly, insignificantly small a decision actually is, 
sometimes we can think it's the end of the world. Yeah. And I think kind of going hand in hand with, with what you said is a lot of times, and I, I use this kind of methodology when it comes to making decisions or whether or not I'm thinking of sending this email, right, asking for time off or whatever. I always ask myself, when I, when, when I feel that little bit of anxiety arise from a decision I'm about to make, I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll ask myself, is this going to matter in 10 minutes? Is this going to matter in 10 months? Is this going to matter in 10 years? Mm-hmm. And I think when I think when you when you frame your decision and you put it up against this timeline of 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years, you're going to find that a lot of those decisions are not going to impact the in the you're not going to have any negative consequences from in the long term. So a lot of the times it's just kind of that 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 short term time frame that it is, is causing us so much panic and anxiety and fear to 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 make a decision. So by quantifying it, right, and when you feel that anxiety and you ask yourself, is you know, is this really going to matter ten months from now? Is it going to matter ten years from now? Mm-hmm. You start to realize that uh, no, it's not. Like this is literally, I'm probably not even going to remember I made this decision in ten months now, in ten months from now, or ten years from now. Yeah. So. It, 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 it helps you by quantifying that, by quantifying potentially the effect of your decision in the sense of time. It helps you become more calm and it helps you become more confident about the decision it is that you're about to make. Whether, you know, how, whether, how, whether, whether it's big or small, mm. right? But it's, it's a tool that, I, that I've found that's very helpful to me to when I'm making, you know, when I feel a little bit of anxiety come up from, from a decision. Yeah. I'll ask myself. You know, is it going to matter in 10 minutes? Probably. I'll probably still feel a little anxious about it. Mm-hmm. I might get a response from my boss that I wasn't expecting or that I, I don't agree with, but that's okay. Is it going to matter in 10 months? More likely than not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably not even going to remember that I made this decision. And nonetheless, 10 years from now, fuck, I don't even, that's not going to make any impact 10 years from now. So I think, uh, I think it's a very powerful tool when you use it like that. It really puts it into perspective. Yeah. The, I like that you bring up time. Because the way I, I, I've talked to you about this and the way that that I like to, another tool that helps is thinking of death. Now, for some people, that's a bit extreme. Yeah. But it is, <laughs> I don't, I, it, I think once you let go of the fact that, you, once you let go of the thinking that like death is a bad thing, uh, I think that's the first step. You, you begin to find, you can use death as a uh, great tool a reminder in a similar way of the time that you have left in this life to live. Yeah. And that you, we are all kind of like, uh, ticking time bombs in a sense, <laughs> or the timer is running out, you know, like that, 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 that's it, a better one. There you go. Not it's taking better, time bombs. We're not going to explode. <laughs> like uh, the timer is running down, but we can't see, see the timer. Uh, but it's definitely going down. And, uh, it, the the reminder of death that time is running out it makes you think what what uh, the same thing do i really want to be worrying about this yeah it's it's definitely the exact same effect yeah you know i think it's just just a different way of viewing time as kind of this ultimate consoler that'll make you feel better about the yeah. decision but it's it goes hand in hand with with what i was saying yeah and there there's an interesting uh a question that I heard, uh, I think it was yesterday, where they f- they phrased it in a different way. Usually, the way the question is presented is, uh, if you only had ten years to do, what would you do now? 
Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the only thing they did was change a word. If you had, if you knew you only had 10 years to live to the, to the day, like to today in 10 years, you're going to die. All right. Timer starts. What would you stop doing? What activities would you stop doing? And, and that was pretty cool. Cause it's like, uh, it's like maximizing your time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah your Use time. of your time. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that, 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 that one was cool. Well, Carlos, I really enjoyed that topic. I really it was a good getting, one. Yeah, I really like getting uh, philosophical. I had some other things to say, but they slipped my mind. So we're moving on to some other questions I had written down. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put a little marker here, bro. How long do you want to go for how long have we been going for? Been going for about an hour. Hour? I can probably go for another 15 minutes. I want to go to bed a little bit early today. I think we're good. I think we ended there. Yeah. I think that was like. That was good, right? That, that was, was a good that was to solid. End, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's just like uh, start right here with like. Um, no, yeah. I think that was a good podcast, Carlos. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. And I especially like that. That last topic we we covered. Um, I do want to ask you one last question, though, like a finisher question. Okay. That perhaps you can look back upon this podcast. I think I did the sim the, the similar thing the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me see which one I have here. Do you want it to be about yourself, or do you want it to be more? Uh, philosophical I don't know. Well, let's try both let's let's start philosophical and end with a quite with a question about myself okay philosophical okay. if you if you could send everyone in the world a, a one sentence text message and they would get everyone has phones in this world and they can in, in my made-up world and they, they'll receive it and they'll be able to read it what would you tell them that's a good question man it's a very good question what would I tell them I think uh, something along, maybe not verbatim, but something along the lines of of not letting fear dictate your decisions. And as corny as it may sound, always have mm-hmm. confidence in yourself. And know that naturally, most of the times you're going to make the right and correct decisions. And just to believe in yourself and have confidence in who you are and what you can bring to the table. Like I don't know it. what the sentence would look like, but something along That's those lines. That's the message. That's the message. That's what I would want them to convey. I like it. I like it. Uh, now, a question for yourself. Okay. What uh, What advice would you give yourself a year from now? It's not too long from now. Exactly December 2021. What advice do you give Carlos Chavira on living a fulfilled life? Or whatever advice you want. Yeah, I'm thinking. What do you think he needs? Yeah. I think, uh, let me see here. I think I want to appreciate, I want to appreciate the, I want to, I want to appreciate more the time that I spend with people. Like not just hang, hang out with them, not just 
spend time with them, but I want the time to be meaningful in some way, more meaningful, right? Whether it's whether I'm with friends or with family, I want to really live more in the moment mm. and remember the conversations and remember how I felt and let those around me know that I love them and that I care about them. Gotcha. Okay. I think that, and I, and I, and I want to thank you, you know, you're, you're, you're the first person that besides my girlfriend who's come up here to visit me. And even though I don't realize it, like having someone here, like mm-hmm. just as company and spending time together and doing whatever the fuck it is that we're doing, it's, it's a very nice thing. Right. I consider myself a, like I'm fine without a lot of human connection with mm. like others. Like uh, I'm not a lone wolf per se. I mean, I, I'm not a lone wolf by any means, right? Like I still love social interaction, but when it comes to living, like I'm okay living by myself. Like I, I haven't gotten homesick literally at all this whole time that I've been away. Maybe it's cause I've only been out for three, four months, but I don't feel like I'll get homesick. Like I'm okay. Like I'm fine. I really am. But having people that I care about, like you, come visit me and spend time and, you know, building memories and going having going through experiences together. It's a nice thing. It's a nice thing and and I think uh I think I need to value and, and give more meaning to my interactions with people. Mm. Then Yeah. The uh <clears throat> the thing about human interaction I've come, I feel like I came to the conclusion, uh, 2017, I told you the story of Thailand, almost drowned, yeah. realized, oh, it's for me, all about the people. And uh, recently I've been asking more people this question of, and I asked you this week, in the last year, what are the uh, 20% of memories that, that you remember or what are the biggest memories you remember? Yeah. And the pattern that I see, I mean, I, I don't think it's a surprise, yeah. at least not to me. all people are always saying it's some sort of gathering it's always some something to do with somebody else it's always something an experience that they had with somebody else yes it might have been like a wedding might have been a party right but really it's not the party it's not the wedding it's it is the people that they're around and 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 that to me is, is so clear it's clear as day to me um that when i look back on life you know, whenever Caesar's timer is up, it's going to be well, the things that I remember are going to be uh, all this, the time that I spent with people, which is why I love kind of love, you know, like a lot of our friends make fun of me. I make fun of myself, right? Because I get all, all romantic and shit, but it's just it, it's more than just about finding a girl, you know, and it's more about just falling in love for like a month. It's about the human connection and it's it's a. Uh, I'm getting all deep and shit, but (laughs) (laughs) I just think this is very important because I think once you realize that really what for me, uh, I I think I speak for a lot of people when I say this, that it's, it's, it's about the people around you. Uh, For me, a a slight switch turned on and every, at every party that I'm on, I'm at, I know Caesar, turn it on as in turn it on to 100, make this an unforgettable night, not just for you, but for everyone else. Even when I'm when I'm just cooking for a friend that I'm visiting for a week, it comes on and off. But it's like Caesar, turn it on, make it unforgettable because this is right now. You got the opportunity to live. Um, I know I got to make money. We got to make all sorts of things, but 
I like to maximize my 20% that leads to my 80% of, of happiness. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. No, I agree 100%. And you're right. I think, um, well, when you asked me this question, I told you, you know, when you asked me which which one of your experiences or experiences have been the most memorable in the past year. And I mm-hmm. told you, I think right off the bat, um, it took me a while to think, right, to kind of go back through the directory and repository of all my, <laughs> the past the past year's events. But uh, the one that came right off the top of my head was when, when we had that um, kind of... Uh, surprise ghetto you know surprise farewell party that you guys threw for me before i came to virginia yeah and uh the, and now that i think about it the second thing that comes to my head is when i visited chicago right when my when my girlfriend had an internship up there mm-hmm. um and i want to go visit uh the city was beautiful and i think the reason why i initially didn't think about this experience of chicago was because i was uh, what i remember is, is the city being so beautiful but when I think back on the experience, the only reason I was even there was because I went to go visit my girlfriend and spend time with her. Yeah. So the direct connection there is that I went to Chicago and got to experience this amazing city, you know, with the with the beautiful river walk and the clean streets, at least downtown. Yeah. Um, and the big buildings and, you know, just walking through downtown amidst all these things and the bridges and the water. All of that became a reality or became an experience to me because of a person Mm. you see what i'm saying yeah so even if it's not directly because of a person i think a lot of times indirectly it is Mm. so yeah so i think you're right yeah it clicked i mean it clicked with me when i think i think what you said is is 100 percent true yeah it's uh these relationships man and i mean uh, in business in everything right they seem to open doors they like to incredible opportunities uh they seem to just uh not only financially but uh uh fun wise uh dude thanks for coming on again and uh i'm excited to see what we do in the next year uh, yeah hopefully we have some podcasts we're definitely gonna have some more podcasts before then but it's 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 a lot of fun doing this and yeah. again this is like a little time capsule man so it's really cool yeah no it's exciting and the more that i've done these i think this is probably like the fourth or third time that i've been behind the mic i get more comfortable you get more comfortable yeah and yeah you it's, really it's, it's easier to speak and yeah it's you, just kind of like sometimes you forget you're holding the mic and you're just speaking and i think that's what i think this is all about right the podcasting mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's great i mean thanks for 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 you know giving me the exposure to this it's a lot of fun you lot of fun. uh you you should start your own uh, podcast talking about money I, I've I've considered it or a YouTube channel or something. Um, All formats. Yeah, eventually. Or you could right? do like a, a YouTube. Well, you could do a YouTube that you just use the audio as the podcast. Yeah, and I'll tell you, dude. Uh, it's I think one of the biggest blockers for me to doing that, and I don't know why. I know it's not a good thing. Why I haven't pursued this is, I think, and I know I know I shouldn't worry about it, right? But I think it's easier to get yeah. something done. Um, is like. What are people going to think? Mm. Like, are they going to think that I'm being weird or cringe or, um, or I don't know. I just, I think, I think, I wonder what they're going to think. Yeah. Right. And I know, I know it's stupid, but no, yeah. and I know it's not the way to think about it. I think a lot of people don't take risks because of it, but, and I realize that. So I'm not completely screwed, screwed up. Right. But, uh, I just need to kind of get over this mental blocker that I've put in, in place for myself. Well, yeah, but it's, I, I think, uh, you, you, it's a very valid thing because yeah. uh, I think I had it. And I think everyone 
will face it. I think everyone has it. Yeah, I think everyone has it. So I think it's it's useless to say. Uh, I think it'll be more useful to say. I. Uh, it's uh, for me the way I began it was that I began recording, but I didn't share with anyone. Yeah. Uh, and and I my advice is like, do it in whatever way is easy and pleasurable for you. For me, at one point, it was easy and pleasurable to just get on the mic knowing that I'll record, but I don't have to post. And yeah. then I'll record, but I'll post, but I won't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I'll record, but I'll post, and, and only tell a few people. Yeah. And then from there, for me, it just kind of, as long as you're, as long as I was consistent, yeah. I was like, I kinda, you know what? I'm getting a groove. As you said, it got easier on the mic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, man? Let me have some people on. Okay. And I'm like, this is fun. I'm getting to know more people. And then it's like, all right, I kind of want to share it with the world. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah. That 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 sounds like, uh, I was about to say definitely again, fuck. Um, that sounds, it sounds like a good plan to follow, I think, to, to ultimately go out into the world, right? Mm. I just, uh, I just need to start. That's like the biggest thing with me is starting. I have these, I have very good ideas, or at least I think I do for anything, whether it's business or something like starting my own channel or doing my own podcast or whatever. It's just with me, it's me too. Most of the effort is starting it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Like same thing with the real estate thing is, I mean, I've, I think about it all the time and I want to get into it. And I think having my license and selling some houses is going to give me exposure to kind of what to look for and how to determine if a property is a good property and things like that. So I think it'll be very beneficial to me. Yeah. Like it's kind of all these check marks, like they make sense. It's like, make sense, make sense, make sense. And then why aren't you doing it? Well, fuck. Well, I don't know. You know, some people are telling me that it's not a good idea. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I'm going to write this question down for hopefully the next time we talk mm-hmm. or like in a year, hopefully like that's a good question to ask. How do you start things? I think that's a great question to ask. Yeah. And it, it would be interesting to find people who are starters. I think modify that to, to, to ask people, how do you start doing something you really and actually truly want to do? Right. Cause I think it's easy to start doing things like, I think going to the gym and exercise, I think that's easy to do. Like it's yeah. relatively easy, but doing something like a career goal or a career aspiration or a personal goal that you have, like starting your own business or starting your own YouTube channel or like a very big thing. I think that's where a lot of people get intimidated and scared. And I'm experiencing that myself too. Right. Yeah. Is kind of, is kind of the, that just that anxiety of, well, shit, I don't know if, you know, I don't want to fail. What are people going to think? You know, a lot of people are already doing what I'm, what I want to do, right? It's yeah. the biggest one for me. That's like probably I've shot a lot of my ideas down in the past. Yeah. Whether good or bad, uh, through that, ex- I would call it an excuse. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are doing it. Like, I just don't think it's valid anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. But it's no, it's such you. a good one. It's such a good one because the evidence is right there. Oh, you're yeah. It a is. lot of people are doing it. Yeah, I mean, you look it up on Google, literally, or YouTube, right? And you see all these people that are doing it, right? So it just you you just like I said, it's a, they're mental blockers that you add to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think logically, logically, the right answer is, uh, duh, just do it. Like, what the fuck yeah. are you waiting for? Like, just get your ass off the couch and start doing it. Like, don't just think, start doing but that's the logical way and humans aren't fully logical people or beings, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Emotion plays maybe a better part of half, maybe 75, 80, 
you know, 90% of our decision-making emotion has a big deal to do with it. Yeah. I think most of it. And yeah, most of it. And sometimes, you know, that's enough to, you know, to, to, to hold you back. Right. I think, I think this is a a topic for another podcast we should have. Hell yeah. Like, like just for talking. Yeah. Talking about, especially talking to someone like you, who's, I mean, I think you're a very philosophically inclined individual and I think you, you, you read a lot of books and I think you listen to a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of people and I think you have a better per- perception about maybe some of these questions. So it'd be interesting to have another podcast, you know, soon or a year from now and talk about um, kind of how to get rid of some of these mental blockers that people set up for themselves, right? Yeah. Because I, I know everyone has them, dude. Everyone fucking has them. No matter how successful or how, you know, relatively unsuccessful you think you are, everyone has their goals and their aspirations mm-hmm. and i would say one of the some of the biggest blockers all have to do with your emotions in terms of how you feel about the situation or you know why you're not doing or pursuing that goal and i think that, i think that's a huge part and i think i think that if we could solve that problem which is impossible like it's not like you can just you know take medicine for it or anything i think it's an impossible problem to solve but i think we can get better at trying to understand it and, and trying to overcome it um, as human beings, I think having discussions like that and really getting into people's mind on why they're not doing what they really want to do, I think is super valuable and important, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Uh, I think it is, and I think it is the. Uh, I think it's, it's the only thing that keeps most of us from doing a lot of the things we want to do. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you start doing something? How did you pose the question? Well, I mean, you have to, you have to, you know, no, no, t- you no, have no, to no. take tell it up me, on the whiteboard. But I said, <laughs> how do you start? How do you start doing something that you truly want to do? Yeah, All right. like you got know, it. your yeah, got your got personal it. goals or professional goals, right? Gotcha. I think I think most of us we we do what's expected of us, right? You know, we get a good paying job, we get a job, we we dedicate our whole lives to our careers, and eventually that becomes like our biggest contribution to the world is whatever our job is right for a lot i think a lot of us but i think if you ask someone at the end of their career like if you had all the money in the world when you were 20 years old and you'd have to work a single day in your life what would you do Mm. and see what they say and more likely than not they're not going to tell you oh you know i would have loved to be an it yeah it guy (laughs) for 40 fucking years of my life right they would tell you something different Mm. I yeah I would point people towards the work of Mr. Tim Ferriss uh, who explores this idea and a lot of other ideas of how to how do people who are great do uh, what they do yeah uh, but he explores a lot of this uh, and I think he's got a good explanation with a lot of uh, pra- a personal experience mm-hmm. you know of having done it um, where I could I could talk about it I've done some things but I'm not quite yet ready not to the point where I want to talk about it because I'd feel more comfortable talking about it once I have a little bit more personal experience under my belt. Yeah. Uh, but if anybody's more interested in exploring this topic, uh, mm-hmm. I'd point them towards Tim Ferriss. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think you too, man. I think, uh, you know, give yourself some credit. I think, I think you're doing what you want to do, right? Like you're doing what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And regardless of whether how successful you are or how much money you're making, you're doing what makes you happy. And I think, and I've always told you, that's something that, that I, I really do look look up to you for is you do you do what you want to do, 
right? And you kind of know that everything else will, will find its place, right? Like it'll 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 fit in. It'll fit in somewhere. It'll sort itself out. Life will sort itself out. But finding happiness, I think, is your biggest focus, and I think it's what you're pursuing after the most, which is a good thing. Unlike, I think, most of people our age who are maybe looking for jobs or, you know, doing something or making money, but it's not making them fully happy. Yeah. And, At um, least that's the way I see it. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot to say on that. Like, um, it's a for me, I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I, I I take it back to some experiences I had studying abroad, particularly that one um, where I almost drowned in Thailand, where it was a big realization of what 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 I what really matters in life, and yeah. it seemed a little backwards to me to pursue something uh as like a like a job that i don't like um for the means of then one day being happy whereas um i studied the work of like tim ferris and and other people who were saying oh well you you could actually just start doing what makes you happy now now it's going to require doing a lot of unconventional shit but if you can face the fire of of i guess uh, people's comments uh, and their thoughts and also mm-hmm. watching other people quote unquote succeed, you know, because what is success, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the things that you have to change in your mind. Uh, if you want to do things that are, other people don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think that that'll be a good conversation for another time for now, brother. Thank you for coming on and for everyone listening. Thank you for listening. If uh, if you enjoyed Carlos and you want to, you want to, you want me back on the show, you want to, you want him <laughs> back on the show, uh, DM me or, 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 you know, find him online if you can. I don't know if he wants to share his personal info. I would lean towards he doesn't. I don't know. Uh, uh, I would say, look, if they want me back, they can like the, the post or the video or whatever. And, oh, okay. The, um, the next sexy picture I put up on right, Instagram. Right, right. And then we'll base it off that. And if there's enough, then I'll, I'll come back, Caesar. How about that? <laughs> I like nah, it. Nah, just kidding, dude. Whenever you want to have me, man, you know uh, I love doing these things. And, um, you know, thanks for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure. All right. Later, bro. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, well, green light, make sure you hit subscribe because there's new episodes every Thursday. And if you really want to go above and beyond, you can rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to stay up to date in my journey of talking to the most interesting people in the world and learning new skills, well, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter called The Caesar Encyclopedia by going to doseofcaesar.com. The Caesar Encyclopedia goes out every Friday, and it's where I share the new books I'm reading, the new habits or systems I tested out, and of course, my favorite recipes because we all know I love my food. But hey, no matter what you do end up doing with this podcast, remember to follow McConaughey's wise words of, just keep living, baby. Just keep living. (laughs) Heh <laughs>